So there are a couple of questions that seem to stir around a lot for me. Do I make a difference? Has my life mattered? I suspect that more than one of you in the room and online has also heard those questions swirling around in your brain. Today I'm going to be talking about creating a life that matters and looking into that phrase a little more deeply. So, welcome. What I, when I think about what makes a life matter, I automatically go to things like, it's a big deal, someone does something noteworthy, everyone remembers them, they're famous, those are the lives that matter. We acknowledged Queen Elizabeth this morning, She clearly was someone who mattered. And there are others that we naturally think of, the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, perhaps Maya Angelou. These are people that I admire, I appreciate, I look up to, and yet they set a bar that feels so distant from who I am in my life that it's sometimes even discouraging. So I thought, I really don't want to be stuck in discouragement, and I don't want to leave all of you stuck in discouragement. So I decided to try a slightly different way of looking, to consider those people whose lives made a difference to my life. And so I have three stories to share with you about the impact of three people whose lives clearly made a difference. The first is Jesse Escobar. Jesse was a gardener at the University of the Pacific where I went to college. He was in charge of the main garden that was the one that you saw as you entered and went to the bell tower and the president's offices. I walked through that garden quite a few times as a freshman on my way to the library for a work-study job I had. One day, he happened to catch my eye and asked me how I was. Rather than just saying, oh, I'm fine, and walking on, for some reason, I stopped. And I said, I'm doing all right. How are you? That was the beginning of an amazing many-year relationship. Every now and then, I would go by the garden, and Jesse would ask me if, he want, if I wanted to share lunch with him. He kept his homemade delicious burrito by a, some kind of a heating system for the building, and so we'd enjoy and share this burrito over lunch. And he would always ask me how I was, not how I was doing, but how I was. And there was something about how he asked that let me know he really wanted to know how I was. He wasn't just making conversation, as is often our style. A lot of people actually went and visited with Jesse, including the university president. He would go when he was struggling with something or he had this brilliant idea and he wanted to know what Jesse thought about it. All because he had that power of paying attention 
and being sincerely curious about what was going on in someone's life. Jesse Escobar had a life that mattered. The second person was one that sadly I didn't realize her gift until after she passed. My mother, Eleanor Lyser. Our relationship was quite a bit less than perfect. She had an attitude about life of just letting everything be all right. Nothing could flap her. Everything was fine. And I found that incredibly naive and Pollyannish. Maybe you've heard that or have experienced that yourself. Everything's fine. Really? Um, She died several years ago. And as I was processing her death, I realized that she had given me a gift that I didn't see because of all the judgments I had about how she chose to live her life. She had given me absolutely unconditional love and trust. With her passing, there was a void in my life. Eleanor Lyser was someone whose life mattered. The third person is someone many of you will recognize, Dr. Kim Kaiser. He is now one of our staff ministers. He used to be the dean of the Holmes Institute, our program of ministerial training. I did my training at Holmes, both online and here at the Santa Rosa campus. When I first arrived, the current students along with Dr. Kim, made a circle around me to welcome me into class. And I was one of the first people from that other part of religious science. So there was a lot of, hmm, who is this person? I went around the circle and received a blessing from each of the students and ended with Dr. Kim. He said something very simple. I see who you are, Tara. I see who you are. That recognition, that sense that someone in that group of loving strangers saw me and recognized me and my value, welcomed me in and had me connect with my peers and with Dr. Kim in a way that lasted throughout my training and in my connection with Dr. Kim even now. Dr. Kim is someone whose life matters. A gentle gardener, a loving mother, a minister who saw me. Each of these gave me a gift Whether or not they recognized it, their life mattered. Here's what I've noticed about these folks. They show up. They care. They listen. They share. They see us. And even though they aren't always perfect, 
They have lives that matter. So here's your first reflective reflection question for the week. If you're someone who takes notes or follows along and carries on the work in the coming week. I invite you to take a bit of time to sit quietly and bring to mind people who have made a difference in your life. Just a few of them. Don't spend a lot of time struggling to get a complete list, but just notice who comes to mind and perhaps what the quality that made a difference was. Just notice gently with curiosity and appreciate who they are. Rabbi Kishner puts it this way in his book, Honey from the Rock. We understand that ordinary people are the messengers of the Most High. They go about their tasks in holy anonymity, often even unknown to themselves. Yet, if they had not been there and said what they said, if they had not done what they did, it would not be the way it is now. We would not be the way that we are now. Never forget that you too, yourself, may be a messenger. So far, I've talked about creating a life that matters as a journey, a process, something to aspire to. That's how we think of it in our self-help, goal-oriented, striving culture. Here comes the U-turn. And for those of you who have your journal, it looks like this. And if you don't have one, you can pick one up at the information table or you can request one via email online. Turn to today's reading for September 11th. And I invite you, if you're willing to mark up this beautifully created journal and I always hesitate a little myself, the affirmation needs to be revised. The work of my soul is revealing a life that matters. Not creating it. The work of my soul is revealing a life that matters. And that's what I'm going to be talking about for the rest of this morning. Each of us wants to matter. The truth is we cannot create a life that matters. Why not? Because it's a given from the moment we take our first breath in human form. Let me say that again. It's not a project you work on to become someone who matters. It's not something you have to prove or earn. The moment you show up in human form, you 
make a difference. We don't always recognize this fundamental truth, in fact, possibly more often not than doing it. We judge ourselves for what we aren't. We compare ourselves with others and come up short. We downplay what we are doing. Sound familiar? I can claim all three of those. We believe that having a life that matters remains beyond our reach unless we achieve something astonishing. I'll share a bit of a story that's ironic, as it turns out. My grandmother doted on me. I was her favorite. One afternoon, we were sitting on her couch, and kind of out of the blue, she said, Tara, you're so smart, you could be president of the United States. That statement haunted me most of my life. And I hear the chuckles, which means some of you have had similar experiences. What happened was, no matter what I accomplished, I wasn't president of the United States, so obviously I wasn't good enough. If I wasn't doing this huge thing, my life didn't matter. Thankfully, yes, please, thank you, I no longer hold that belief. And I invite any of you who had those loving parents or grandparents or friends tell you, you are awesome, you can do X, to say, well, maybe so, maybe not. In the meantime, I matter because, and whatever it is that you're doing, that in fact is important and makes a difference. We matter because we exist. We don't need to prove anything. What we do need to do is accept that truth. The essence of each of us. No exceptions. That's why we are revealing a life that matters. Not forcing it. Not creating it. Listen to these lovely words from Ernest Holmes taken from a thing called, this thing called you. You belong to the universe in which you live. You are one with the creative genius back of this vast array of ceaseless motion, this original flow of life. You are as much a part of it as the sun, the earth, and the air. Since most of us forget that we matter, here are some ways to step into presence, being, blossoming, so that we are conscious that we matter to ourselves and to others. This list happened to come from an education uplift webinar that was sponsored by our home office, Centers for Spiritual Living. The list was developed by Reverend Chris Ashley Alexander and Reverend Ryan Pulley Alexander, drawing upon the work of Brene Brown. For Reverend Chris and Reverend Ryan, it was a list of antidotes to spiritual bypass. Spiritual bypass is that way that we aren't present to what is, however challenging, instead jump to, it's all good, it's all fine. 
without recognizing presence. This list of antidotes also happens to work very well as guidance on being present, which is the core of revealing a life that matters. Here are the elements. Authenticity. The daily practice of letting go of who you think you should be and being who you are. You, just the way you are, make a difference. Vulnerability. The feeling of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. That's vulnerability. And it takes guts to be vulnerable. Belonging. This one is rather curious. We think of belonging as being part of a group, and that's part of it. To be welcomed into a circle where you have an impact, you are included and respected. However, Brene Brown suggests that it also means belonging to yourself. In other words, knowing what matters to you and who you are so that you're not just going along to get along, but you're being yourself, whether or not that includes you in a particular group. And finally, empathy. The ability to understand and acknowledge the the feelings of others. And thankfully, it's a skill that can be learned. Here's a second reflection question for you this week. What are your gifts that make a difference? What are your qualities of presence? Please remember, no one does this 100% of the time. No one shares their gifts in every circumstance always. This is to discover and appreciate who you are, not a checklist or opportunity to judge yourself. Okay? Just be lovingly curious. So far, I've touched on what makes a life matter, noticing examples from my life, It is often ordinary people doing simple things. I also explored the qualities that are part of being present, which in and of itself matters. There's one more area to keep in mind as you recognize and accept that your life matters. You need to know who you are, what you care about, and what you want in your life. Who you are, what you care about, and what you want in your life. Hildegard of Bingen provides a powerful answer to why it's worth our effort. We cannot live in a world that is not our own, in a world that is interpreted for us by others. An interpreted world is not a home. 
part of the terror, and I add the opportunity, is to take back our own listening, to use our own voice, to see our own light. When I looked again at the list of qualities that open into presence to creating a life that mattered, I noticed that all of them require that we know ourselves. Authenticity, this is the obvious one. Letting go of who we should be to be who we are. To embrace and accept who we are. We must take time to get to know ourselves. And the self, not the self that we judge and battle with and belittle and want to fix, but that self that is expressive and centered and grounded and is always present within. Vulnerability. Do we know ourselves well enough to take risks, risks to share our feelings and ask for help? Perhaps it's not just knowing ourselves, but trusting ourselves. When we wear a mask of other people's expectations and impossible aspirations, we cannot be vulnerable. It's an armor that keeps us from being present. Going back to the next item, it's connection. Those of us who have dated know the experience of how perfect everyone is for those first few dates. We're on our best behavior. And then often a few quirks and issues start surfacing. One would think that the solution is going back to being good. But it's not. That mask of, I'm going to show up just the way that person expects me to be, wants me to be, as they are doing exactly the same thing behind their mask, means that two masks are sharing lovely pleasantries, but people are not connecting. It's just mask to mask to mask. Belonging. I already touched on this a bit. In order to belong, you must know who you are so that you are not going along with a group or a way of thinking to get along. You're bringing your full self present, and if belonging to a particular group is right for you, you join it. If not, you know you on your own with that inner wisdom companion, are enough. You belong to yourself. And finally, empathy. Empathy involves the ability to understand and acknowledge the feelings of others. If I don't know how I feel... How can I possibly acknowledge the feelings of others? Getting caught in someone else's drama, that's not empathy, by the way. That's drama. 
Knowing ourselves and our feelings, we can witness, acknowledge, and stay grounded in ourselves. And equally important, we will not project our feelings onto someone else, assuming we know what they must feel. There are many ways to get to know ourselves. Here are a few ideas. Feel free to add your own. Talk with a friend about what matters to you and encourage them to ask you to go deeper, to explain what you mean. Sit in a garden with a cup of tea or coffee and ask a question. Then journal what comes up without figuring it out or trying to edit it. Listen quietly to your voice within, that sweet intuition. If you want to know more about how to do that, it just happens. Maggie Cole has a workshop on intuition this Sunday and next. However you choose to know your essential self a bit better, be compassionate and curious, asking questions with love. Third practice for the week. You're going to have a busy week. Every now and then, stop and tune into your body for a bit of time. Scan your body. Notice if there's tension, weightiness, lightness, and invite whatever feeling you notice to share with you what it would like you to know. Your body has remarkable wisdom when you tune into it. So check in with your body in the coming week. There's a quote that I love from Ernest Holmes, and I need to share it even though we're coming up to the end of time here. Know your own mind. Train yourself to think what you wish to think. To be what you wish to be. Feel what you wish to feel and place no limit on principle. As we discover, or rather uncover, our magnificent, creative, loving, playful, wise essence, take a breath, I'm going to say it again. Our magnificent, creative, loving, playful, wise essence, the simple act of being ourselves matters. Perhaps in some ways it is a return to the wonder and moment-to-moment I amness of childhood. Again in Ernest's words, we must enter into the spirit of life, into the joy of living, into the usefulness of creative endeavor, If we feel that we are simply onlookers and not participants in the game of life, we should rediscover the youthful spirit of that childlike joy which gave to us the energy, happiness, security, and faith we had as children. Here's to our mattering.
Let's ground that with prayer. Hmm. Standing in presence, knowing myself to be one with that infinite, beyond time, beyond form, creative, unconditional love and joy and life. I know that my life matters from the moment of first breath. As I know that for myself, I know that for everyone hearing this word. Each of us has a unique gift that brings joy, connection, belonging, love to life. It may simply be a thank you to someone who made a difference in our life. It may be a smile walking along a path. It may be listening as someone shares their story. Each of those acts done with love makes a difference. Standing in this truth, in awe and gratitude for its power, and its absolute indestructible nature. I celebrate the truth, I praise the truth, and I know it so, released as spoken. And together we say, and so it is. So now I invite you to take another breath and come back into this room. As we move into our practice of circulation, it's a time when we acknowledge all that we receive and all that we give, recognizing that both of those elements, the giving and the receiving, matter in our lives and in the lives of those we care about. I want to appreciate all of you for what you do in support of this center. And I want you to know that you are making differences in so many ways. So with blessings and knowing the gifts of your presence, namaste.